Um, we're kicking it off today, Life in South Africa, with Tobago Luana, who is an activist um, for inclusion, equality, and diversity. And she's written a, a piece that I thought was really worth looking into because, you know, we have a thing about talking about inclusion and then only framing it in a specific way or deciding for ourselves what inclusion actually means and at, at the same time leaving out certain quarters. And she begs the question, so if we want to really talk about conclusion, who do we talk about when we talk about uh, inclusion and in what spaces and in what way do we in- interrogate the concept of inclusion? She is on the line with us. So Becca, thank you so much for the time. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Pamela, and thank you for having me. Thank let, you so much. Let, let me ask you what led you to penning this article. Um, I'm an entrepreneur currently mm. in terms of how I make a living. Mm. I've worked in corporate. Um, I've worked in two uh, major financial services in, uh, institutions. And I think during my time there, I kind of was invited to be part of that the diversity team uh, when the whole uh, conversation was starting a few years ago. Mm -hmm. So I've always been kind of um, involved in this conversation. But I think being in corporate, it really didn't allow me enough space to fully participate in it. And I think maybe it took me being an outsider, like being an entrepreneur, Mm -hmm. to kind of really see how um, exclusionary society is, whether in commerce, whether in just broad society. Um, And I think um, being someone who's now an entrepreneur, fully in charge of my time, Mm -hmm. um, I've I've, I've had enough, um, well, I have enough room to be able to fully participate in this and really bring some education based on my personal observations, my personal experiences. And and I think... um, to to an extent, I'm someone who is um, by design. I don't know. I'm very social sociable. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm able to move around, and from time to time, I get confronted by the question like, "But how do you do it? Mm-hmm. How are you able to move in the society the way you do?" Um, mm-hmm. That kind of inspires people, um, and 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 I would have people that would say, "I actually have." a daughter or a son that looks like you, but is um, an introvert, um, is very shy mm-hmm. to navigate society mm-hmm. the way you do. How do you do it? Could you talk to him? Could you talk to her? And I think more, um, more often now, because I move around a lot as an entrepreneur, I've been confronted with those requests and questions that I really thought it was time um, to frame a conversation around this and create as much awareness and education to the best of my um, ability as I can. Mm. And that is what I'm doing right now. Mm. So, so Tameka, for those who don't know, you're living with a, a chondroplasia, which which others would have referred to as being dwarf, dwarfism. Okay. I don't know if it's still appropriate to use the term dwarfism. You would correct me there. It's it to an extent it is um, still um, okay? a very common way okay. of of classifying it. Mm. Um, in recent years, there has been another term introduced to mm-hmm. classify uh, people such as myself mm-hmm. and that term is little people but I know in South Africa it's still a fairly new terminology but um, you know things always move like yes. you know how we used to call um, our domestic um, assistants maids and now we call them helpers so mm-hmm. I think it's the same kind of evolution a more considerate 
word or term that's been given. What's the most acceptable to you? So it's a little person, okay. that, that is the word. Um, beyond just saying someone is a chondroplastic or a, um, has mm-hmm. a chondroplasia, mm-hmm. you can say it's a little person, yeah. Right. Okay, we'll then use that one going forward. So in, in the spaces, as you said, that you navigate, tell us about the lived experience of, of why you, you often find yourself having to reaffirm that, you know, you too need to be included. Because I suppose it's not necessarily in how you say it. It's, it's, it's navigating spaces and places that remind you that actually we haven't accommodated you to here. Yeah. Mm. So I, I think that sometimes I forget. Mm-hmm. Um, and and my forgetting probably comes from the fact that I come from a family and a community where I grew up that would actually make me forget that mm. I looked physically I looked different. Mm-hmm. But then when you step beyond that community of um, that is familiar mm. and that is used to you and that treats you in a normal way, you forget once you step out into that community, a new community or a different community, you are reminded from the way people look at you, from what you said behind you when they think you can't hear what they're saying. Mm-hmm. Um, you are reminded that actually, hey, yeah, okay, I'm different. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think at the, at the center of how I have been able to navigate society the way I have, it's just really been um, my family being strong in making me understand that I am just as capable, just as worthy, just as deserving, um, and I've got a right to belong, a right to participate, um, a right to be accommodated, and I must insist on it. And I think that was in great very earlier on in mm-hmm. in my in my um, in my youth or like early years, um, as I say. So I've been I've I've you know it's 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 an insistence that mm-hmm. that I live with every day when I walk out. I mean you know I I know that I'm worthy. I deserve, and I insist on people hearing what I have to say. I insist on people giving me space as well if I feel I deserve it. Because mm. um, sometimes I'm not deserving, but um, if other people can take a chance, why can't I? Mm. So I I'm, I'm very forceful in that way that you will hear me, you will listen to me, and who gives you the right to dismiss or not allow me to participate mm-hmm. what I feel everyone else has a right to participate in. So I think I've been able to do that and insist. And then people just, you know, get used to having you around, get used mm-hmm. to you, um, you know, offering your views, offering your contributions uh, or even participating. But it's not easy. It's just a very determined insistence to mm-hmm. just not allow people to treat you any less, people to disrespect you. Some people will get away with it, but um, as much as you can, unfortunately, every day of your life, you you leave um, teaching um, Mm. people not to disrespect you, to disregard you Mm. or devalue you. If you don't mind, Tobik, I'm going to open the lines. Perhaps people want to, you know, as you said, you inspire a lot of people. People are are looking to you for some answers, maybe within their families and in navigating their own lives, perhaps. The lines are open. It's 011-714-2006. WhatsApp number is 0614-104-107. Tobek Alwana is my guest. Life Happens with Pimelo Mutine on SAFM, leading the conversation. Tobek Alwana is my guest. She's an activist for inclusion. 
inclusion, equality and diversity. She's also an entrepreneur. And we're really discussing um, a piece that she's penned recently. Uh, and it's talking about inclusion and equality and what that means in totality. She is uh, what others would refer to as a little person. And she's also just giving us her experience living through, I suppose, South Africa as a little person, living through the globe as, as, as a little person. Let's talk a little bit, Tobeka, about structural exclusion and your experience of that. Okay. Um, in the article, I talk about how things that look very simple mm. to other people are an obstacle mm. to someone like myself. Mm. If if um, if you if if I want to be independent, I mean, I'll give you a basic. Um, example like something as simple as maybe going to a coffee shop, a Mm. coffee bar Mm -hmm. um, and you want to buy coffee Mm. and you look sometimes examine how tall some of those shelves Mm -hmm. are Mm -hmm. and how that sometimes you'll be standing there and someone is not understanding that you're actually waiting to be Mm. standing because they can't see you Mm. and sometimes you you go through life having to ask for help Mm. even when you feel it's not really necessary Mm. Um, think grocery shopping, high shelves versus mm. we're trying to get stuff from the shelves. And now you must be waiting mm. on the aisle mm. for someone tall enough mm. that you can ask for assistance. Um, it's simple things like those that are not, um, you know, uh, considerable. Um, some of the government offices, you need help. You need to go to the 10th floor. Um, the lifts are not working. Um, some of my, like people like myself, we don't even have like, we don't have such strong joints. Mm-hmm. to be climbing up such amounts of stairs. But mm-hmm. it's just the way, you know, certain things have been designed to consider what is always problematic to me as normal. Mm. You know, they'll say a normal or an average. Yes. Who decides what That's is normal? Average. Who decides what is average? Based on what? Mm. Um, so it's, it's um, and, and, I, and I, I spoke about this a bit to say that perhaps it's really, really time um, for everyone to just be considerate enough to think like around, mm. um, to, to look around and just see, are we really that considerable mm. as a society, mm. whether it's in a corporate organization, whether it's in a club set up, whether it's just um, communities around, like how open are we mm-hmm. in terms of making sure whenever we design a structure or something, can it suit everyone? Can we go beyond um, you know, looking at averages on what is considered, as I said, as mm-hmm. normal or mm-hmm. standard, because there's nothing like that. There's nothing average, nothing standard, and 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 that's where you start excluding people. Mm. Um, I mean, I, 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 gosh, let me ask you this: how how do you manage with the parking ticket machine? Oh, I, I, well, I don't, um, I don't really drive. Um, I use, um, uh, you know, I, high. I sorry, because it's high, you know, I'm just trying to think, you know, all the little different spaces where you would find the challenges because it's quite high to reach, you know, where you would have to put in the machine, things like yeah. that, things like I, that. I, I, I bet for people like myself who actually drive, I, I rely on Ubers or being driven. So it's, it's never really. Uh, something I consider, but as you say, it probably is a problem. It probably is um, a hindrance. Um, an ATM machine, people, Even people on wheelchairs. An ATM machine? I sometimes can't reach an ATM machine. That is a big, big, big problem. I can't, and, I can't, and, I can't, and, I can't, I can't reach And the best ATM thing machine. I can do is to reverse because you still find ATMs that are very, very high. Yes. So my best bet is to reverse 
try and go to another location and hope that I'll find an ATM that isn't. Um, and because you can't really ask for assistance. No, that's ATM, it. Really, that's that's exactly the point. Because you know that's where you really need to be independent. You can't ask somebody yeah. to punch a number for you. But yeah. when you can't reach and you can't see, then what do you do? You have to go to another location and try somewhere else or use other means yeah. of accessing your funds. Yeah, I suppose. Um, so, yeah, there's a long way. Um, that That's a very good um, example you give, Pamela, but it really illustrates mm. that there's a long way. And uh, again, for those who design uh, ATM machines, they probably consider average height. Mm, but mm. Who, who determines what average height is? Mm-hmm. When, you know, we often talk about um, people discriminating just at face value. And and I want you to maybe talk to us about that on many other things, you know, business opportunities. You've just said now you're an entrepreneur and you have learned to insist on being heard. But but do you get tired of insisting on being heard and not being discriminated against? Well, I don't have an option to be tired. Mm. I do not have an option to be tired. Um, what I owe myself is to make sure that I always stand up for myself. Mm. Um, and, and I think I, one, one other thing that I, that comforts me that I know when, when I go into environments like that, Mm -hmm. whether it's a pitch uh, for a a, a business opportunity of any kind, I'm assured of the fact that I'm intelligent, Mm. I'm a creative being, Mm. I'm articulate, I'm worldly, I'm Mm. full of knowledge and wisdom. Mm. And I know that when I speak, I mean, it will take a lot for you to say no to me. Mm. Um, And and then I think for some, (laughs) there is that notion that, oh, she's so smart, actually, for someone who looks like this, even though they will not say it to you. But, you know, that that surprise element. And then, you know... um, so I, I always go in in terms of looking for opportunities, not looking for an opportunity because it's a question of, oh, shame, let's give her. Mm, but mm-hmm. just making it difficult for you to say no. I mean, it should be difficult for you to justify why you said no with everything that I would have presented um, for, for my case for that opportunity. I, I often feel that we don't talk enough about representation and and I want to know from you, you know, it bothers me that I don't see enough people, uh, small, little people around like I see you, right? So what will it take to, to, to open the doors up for people to feel like this world is also welcoming to, to them? Little people are also welcome. They, are, they, they should be seen more. They should be amongst us a bit more. What will it take? I mean, you were just giving an example earlier of somebody saying, you know, my child is shy. They, you know, they, 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 they stay, you know, within doors and so on. What will it take for us to see, to see more little people? It's seen more and more. It's, 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 it's um, decision makers, leaders, the ones who can open the doors, open opportunities to be conscious enough to, to be able to give people a break, give mm-hmm. everyone an opportunity. Mm. Um, so with diversity um, and inclusion is a, is a question of access. Mm. Um, you know, be bold enough or crazy enough to just give someone a break Mm -hmm. that you wouldn't have, you know, considered. Um, And that's how we normalize things because, and and that's how people are seen and and, and it's normal. It's normal 
to watch a movie and you find people like myself that are acting responsible roles and they're not just, you know, like, um, you know, the feckers, jokers or anything like that. Mm. It should, we start, it starts becoming normal. You page through magazines and you mm. see people like myself um, doing, you know, normal things rather than being, I don't know, beggars mm. or, mm. you know, um, jokers, as I said. Because mm. growing up, I used to see people like myself in circuses mm. and or on TV, but they would be acting clownish or... So, and I think there was a stereotype that certain people like that are not intelligent or smart mm-hmm. enough or they can't do certain um, types of, you know, um, they can't carry certain types of like very astute responsibilities mm-hmm. and that's, that's not true. So the more you find people like myself or people with disabilities or people that feel marginalized, less represented, whether it's in the sexual orientation issue, whether it's, I mean, there's a lot of discrimination everywhere. Mm-hmm. There's a gender discrimination. There's discrimination by age. You know, mm-hmm. there's discrimination in all sorts of things, appearance, light mm-hmm. complexion versus dark skin. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the minute we start, you know, giving people opportunities beyond our own biases or our own, I don't know, you know, uncomfortability, mm-hmm. Um, that, that's when we really start making um, making a change. Toa, let me take a quick break. I've got to go to the headlines. It is one thirty. Let me go to Leander Maume for the latest in headlines at one. Good morning, Pimelo, and your guest. Um, thank you so much for this conversation. Just a quick question to Ms. Torbega: Is what does she think is the um, I'll say obstacle to implementing policies for persons living with a disability. I don't know if she identifies herself as a person living with a disability because we now have an argument about deaf people not being classified as disabled, but you know um, about the culture of deaf people, their language being recognized not as not to be seen as a disability. So my quick question is, what does she think is the problem of implementing and also committing to the laws that we have in our country and the policies that uh, we have in our country for reasonable accommodation for persons living with a disability? Thanks. This is Sebiso. Tupaga Luana is my guest. She's an activist uh, for inclusion and equality and diversity. She is a person living with a quadriplegia. Um, for many of you, it would be a, a little person. Uh, Tupaga, your response to that uh, message that came through? Um, I know that you're going to speak to Anne. Um, yes, who is I, yes from, I'm going to join her now. Um, so gonna, I think she, she can also weigh in yes, on this. Yeah. But I think for me, I think there's enough policy covering um, the issue of people living with disabilities and how they can be um, accommodated in society, whether it's in corporate or just, you know, um, wider society participation in general. I think policies in South Africa are very strong. What is really missing is the will to implement. Um, and, and, and I think the, uh, right there is biases, the people that are supposed to implement policies are not bothered, and also there are no penalties to ensure that, uh, you know, um, policies are implemented. And this, uh, I'm, I'm talking about the government um, arm, um, you know, because there's, there's, uh, you, you would think that government would be more representative of disabled people with the reasonable, with more reasonable accommodations, but it's still an issue there. 
corporate is another another issue altogether where every corporate has got a diversity policy um whether or not they renew refresh or even you know go and and look mm-hmm. at what still needs to be done but policies and plans are there but there's just no will to implement and i think the only time we can ever see a shift here is with serious penalties whether it's penalties from communities from customers or the the, the government in terms of like serious measurements and serious um you know um interrogations in terms of what organizations are doing whether they are governmental departments or whether it's corporate um, bodies but right now it's every year it is just talk upon talk i mean we've now in 2021 but hiring someone with um you know who is blind or who is deaf is still a very you know difficult thing in south africa um some strides have been made in terms of you know accommodating people who move with wheelchairs um or some assistance mobility but there's a long way to go and if these things are not enforced unfortunately they just become plans in paper let me introduce, as you said, Anne Gituku Shongwe, who is a representative for UN Women South Africa Multicultural Multi-Country Office, um, which is also responsible for women's empowerment and gender equality. And thanks for making the time. Good afternoon, Anne. Good afternoon. Good afternoon to you too. And good afternoon to the listeners. Hi, Tabega. Hi, Anne. Great to listen to you. Well, welcome, Anne. And and I suppose let's get straight into it. You know, there is question about legislation. And as Tobeka said, you know, I think there is probably enough legislation to go around. The, the question is implementation of, of, of policy. Why is it that we there is such a disconnect between the policy and implementation? Well, I mean, I think the, the issue of... Um, um, women and girls with disabilities, which is one of the issues that we deal with very much uh, globally, um, is is the same issue that we find in exclusion, um, you know, sort of practices, whether it's based on race or gender or sexual identity. uh, You know, this becomes yet another intersectional um, category. And, you know, for us, when we look at the sustainable development goals, the issue of leaving no one behind Mm. is is, is, uh, is, you know, is really a priority for us as an organization. And so what you find is that in general, unless you have, um, you know, champions who are going to insist and drive this work, mm. uh, it becomes very difficult to actually implement. I mean, I know that the, that the uh, Department of, of uh, Women, Youth and Persons with Disabilities have the policies and they have the framework to be able to do this. And I know this is also what what happens, and this is a requirement from our side. We actually have uh, a, a framework that is required from country to country. But as you say, the implementation is what becomes difficult. And so what we've been working to do, and we haven't quite done this in South Africa yet, um, is really trying to uh, institutionalize programs that are actually implementing these policies. So... Um, you know, we have a global safe cities program, as an example, mm-hmm. where uh, we work with city planners mm. to work specifically with creating an environment that's inclusive mm. for um, women and girls living with disabilities, including recognizing that violence is um, violence against women and girls with disabilities is a big issue. Mm-hmm. And so how do we structure the spaces so that there is safety, there's mm. recognition, mm. there is access, um, and that we're, ex- ex- we're recognizing women in all their, you know, women with disabilities in all their diversity. And you're not sort of categorizing it, as, as, as Tobaga was saying, as just women on wheelchairs, you know. Um, so, so, that, so I think the biggest issue is, is, is the, the, 
the will, yes. I think it's also the, the, the programmatizing it so that it becomes implementable. Um, we have a big program in Senegal, for instance, where we work with the Gender Equitable Local Development Program, where they, they're working with municipalities to specifically implement um, these different frameworks at the municipal level, municipality by municipality. So it has to be localized to be made as real um, as is possible. Um, I think the other one is working with institutions. So similarly, recently, we have a convention against sexual harassment in the world of work. It's, it's existed, uh, you know, sexual harassment policies have existed in organizations for years, but the organizations don't implement them because there is no sanction. There is no mm-hmm. uh, real... Um, to that, yeah, that, you know, we, yeah. we don't penalize people, we don't hold them accountable. We don't hold them accountable, and then we don't have real champions. You don't have ways in which these are read. So if, for instance, in private sector companies, you, the sustainability reports report on um, disabilities and how you're actually implementing these policies, mm. then companies would, would, would be required to do this. The King Four policies um, on governance, mm. they don't look at disabilities as one of their sure. indicators. Yeah. So, so the exclusion begins... Um, really, it goes way beyond just just having the national the framework and the policy to say this is what we're our intention is. It's about the intentionality, yeah. institution by institution, to implement this work, to be held accountable for it. Let me take a quick break. I'll be back with more, and I'll take more calls uh, on oh one one seven one four two zero zero six, and I'll also take your voice notes on oh six one four one zero four one zero seven. Himelo Mutine on SAFM. Hi, Pamela. It's Simon in Pretoria. Pamela, thank you for the discussion and uh, what a inspiring story from your guest. Um, growing up with regards to inclusion is we have always been uh, excluded uh, based on the darker of the skin because I'm a very dark-skinned African man. But then you, you realize that people will not accept you growing up. I think I've realized that things probably might have changed, but we realize that we can talk about racism, we can talk about all other things. How do we deal with inclusion amongst ourselves? Uh, for example, urbanism as well in uh, the new term that I've just learned, little people. Hi, Timelo. Um, I think uh, the conversation is an interesting one. Uh, currently, in our organization, we are actually trying to make sure that now the priority is being given to the people with disabilities and uh, as well as the ones that um, transgender, Lipsian and gays, etc. And with women, obviously. And you find that, you know, there is a lot of resistance and uh, the, the support from leadership is, uh, the, the process is very slow. And with the pandemic, things have uh, uh, gone very, very uh, 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 delaying, if I may say. And then, yeah, I think they need to be considered in this regard. And furthermore, we don't need to forget about those people that are mentally disabled as well. Yeah, just to come on board and, you know, they are able. Thank you so much, Dumalo. 
Let me, let me come to you, Anne. I know you've got to leave. You know, you just mentioned before we went to the break that, you know, for instance, in the King Code Report 4, we don't have um, issues of inclusivity included in there. Uh, and so how, how do we then marry, for instance, what Tobega is saying? Tobega is saying, you know, let's just make sure that within the boardroom, you include people who are not in the boardroom, in those discussions. You know that a lot of companies have these uh, committees and representatives for inclusion and, and diversity. But if in the boardroom that's not included, what, what, what chance does that have to, to actually move the organization forward? And Not much to be really honest. And so what has to happen is that it has to be required. Mm. Um, If we look at gender participation, women's participation on boards, until it's a requirement, it didn't happen. Mm. Um, So those who are from the dominant culture or dominant um, Mm. uh, class at that time, uh, you know, there is no inspiration for them to have to change Mm. the norm because Mm. the norm works for them. Mm. And what we know is that when organizations and when companies are diverse, diverse in terms of gender, in terms of ability, in terms of, um, you know, sexual orientation, in terms of race, that the bottom line always is stronger. The revenues are stronger. Course, yeah. And somehow yeah. there's always been resistance to bringing on others who are not quite the same as the, as the, as the, as the mm. you know, dominant one, mm-hmm. the dominant group. Mm. So it has to be legislated and required. And I, I don't know if you recall, you may be too young, but... Uh, maybe 20 years ago, there was um, the introduction of the greater involvement of people living with HIV. It was called GIPA. And there was an introduction of people living with HIV to actually sit inside companies so that um, they start creating a culture that was recognizing and destigmatizing people living with HIV. And um, once, once that happened, we began to see changes in organizations and companies who started recognizing that indeed... These are people who can contribute instead of relegating them to, you know, just sort of wait your time to die. Um, mm. They actually were contributing very significantly. So perhaps this is a kind of initiative that would need to happen where it becomes a requirement that in every company you would have to have, um, you know, the participation and engagement of people. And, and in, in this instance, women and girls living with disabilities. I must say that there are a couple of companies that do that. And every time I go into this, these stores, where you you actually see the contribution at least of of people who who have a hearing disabilities and they are so uh, it really changes the culture and you you know you actually want to be a part of this because you can see that the company is making an effort to um to be more inclusive mm-hmm. so it's really you know obviously in, in some of these instances it's a combination of legislating identifying champions you know, getting those who will run ahead of the game and start seeing which companies and organizations will do this. Um, so we have to start driving the change. And when, you know, you you, you find early adapters and, and when you've got uh, some momentum, then, 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 then others come on board yeah. rushing. But it does take hard work. And I really commend Tobega for this um, initiative. Mm. Um, I really think that it's going to create some, some uh, you know, real momentum. Thanks for your time. And I know you've got to go. Thank you very much. And Gituku Shongwe is a representative for UN Women South Africa Multicultural Office, which is also responsible for women's empowerment and gender, gender equality. I'm going to just uh, take calls. As I said, I will. 0117142006. Colin, thanks for your patience. Good afternoon, Colin. Good afternoon, Pamela, and good afternoon to your guest. Hi. You know, Pamela, I've seen, well, I, well I'm well, i a pensioner, and I do a lot of moving around, you know, especially in the supermarkets and things like that. I've got all the time in the world. And I see how some people battle, 
And you know, people look at them and they just walk past it. And I've yet to actually see somebody coming, can I push your trolley, can I help you or something like that. You know, the, 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 the people, they just think of themselves, you know what I mean? Mm. Uh, the public. Mm. Uh, me, they're not very helpful. Let and me, another thing too mm-hmm. is, uh, the buses also, the bus drivers, I've seen people at the terminus, mm. uh, especially the elderly. Now, um, there's a lever there that drops the steps right down to the pavement. Mm. Sometimes I don't even press that lever, the driver doesn't even press that lever, and the poor woman must lift her leg quite high up, you know what I mean? Mm. So people has got to consider uh, uh, other people also. Mm. And uh, about the ATM, I don't see why the banks make millions. Why can't they put a, um, a, a sort of a, a plastic uh, slide in and slide out? Plastic step there for, for people that can't actually reach there, you know what I mean? It's, it's not expensive, it's plus glass fiber. If it was metal, aluminium, they'd of course steal it and sell it, you know what I mean? Thanks there, Colin, in Cape Town. Tobago, your sentiments uh, around uh, what Colin is saying, you, f- you find that there is just no consideration from the public at all? Um, well, there, there are um, members of society that are always ready to help, but, you know, other people are just, trying to get in, get out quickly and rush to work or rush home. Um, in the article I penned, I actually spoke about how um, I find um, the cities or communities, shopping centers, how they're not very considerable to the aged, uh, the aged um, or the, old, mm-hmm. the elderly in our society. And, 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 and it's something that we need to start thinking about today. And I even said that Unfortunately, you find that the elderly that are disadvantaged today are the ones who actually designed these cities and these processes mm. in their earlier years. Mm. And now they're older mm. and they are battling mm. to navigate the same structures they you know, they designed um, some years ago. Mm. So we have to start even today designing for the elderly of, of, of the future. And as we do that, we consider those who have got limited mobilities, who have limited size or limited abilities so mm. that... We really are inclusive um, in, in, in society. I want to bring in Tabiseng Mlungwane in the conversation. She's a National Council for Persons with Disability. Tabiseng, thanks for joining the conversation. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Pimela, and thank you for the invitation. Tabiseng, what does the National Council for Persons with Disability do? Um, Pimela, the National Council, often for persons with disabilities, is a national organization that represents um, associations in the different provinces of the, the country and we look at advocacy for and on behalf of persons with disabilities. We have many other uh, programs that um, advocate for the inclusion, um, a holistic inclusion of people with disabilities. This would include um, employment, with, with regard to employment, with regard to accessibility that Colin has just referred to, it will also be regarding gender-based violence issues and, and children's issues and many other many others that I'm not going to mention um, because of the limited time.
a situation where you you do have the sentiment coming through that you know in as much as this call for for recognition and inclusion is getting louder and louder we're just not connecting the dots we're not getting through what kind of work needs to happen then uh, and Tabisi? I think, um, Pimelo, people need to look at the true nature of disability differently. But we, what we are seeing out there is that people look at the fun- functional limitations of individuals mm-hmm. as well as um, the, the, the difficulty in, for, in performing um, functions um, as it may be. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we feel that disability should be viewed differently. Mm-hmm. And that is from... What I think is also outlined in 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 some of the a lot of the in legislation that we have in the country that disability is oppression, it is discrimination, and it is social exclusion, where where mm. people with disabilities are socially um, excluded mm. in participating into day to day day to day activities, mm-hmm. and and we feel as the organisation. If disability is viewed that way um, and there is no oppression, there is no discrimination and there is no exclusion, we wouldn't be talking about disability. But we would be talking about persons with impairment. You know, Ntabi Singh, I, I so concur with that because in as much as I see and many of us see around that there would be, for instance, more schools being built, which is a good thing, not a problem, but that you would find that fewer schools that accommodate people living with disability, whether it is mental illness or whatever the case may be, are being built, that denying access to those living with disability education, it's a violation, it's violent. Absolutely correct, because you look at, you know, the examples that you've made, and directly, if I may comment to to schools, you look at the schools that are being built Mm -hmm. nationally, Mm -hmm. and you will find in in different provinces, there's only a few schools Mm -hmm. where where children with disabilities can be accommodated. Mm -hmm meaning that um, the the children have to leave their own families and and travel to different provinces to be able to gain education. And and obviously that is exclusion because that is not the case Mm. when it comes to people Mm. that do not have impairment. That's sometimes in best case scenarios. There are children who are literally changed at home because there isn't appropriate support for them. And that, that in itself is, is quite something serious to think about. Well, you know, Tobega, your, your comments to, to what you've been hearing. No, I'm, I'm fully, I'm fully supportive. Um, I always think that, um, when it comes to especially education Mm -hmm. and disability, um, I, I would love to f- see, you know, an era where we have, you know, children that learn in schools, in, in, in your mainstream schools, mm-hmm. but being accommodated within mm-hmm. mainstream schools yeah. so that they learn from an early age mm-hmm. to be integrated into society. Because mm-hmm. now you find you have this, um, uh, you have um, people living with disability that have always, even in their education you know era of being in schools of a city they've always been learning and being educated outside of society Mm -hmm. then when do they learn to participate even when the time comes when they are employable Mm -hmm. they are not used to being part of society because they're always on the periphery Mm -hmm. um in everything their sports their education their you know even on weekends Mm because some of them are in boarding schools Mm -hmm. that 
So the, when do they integrate? When does society learn and become comfortable, mm-hmm. if that's the word, mm-hmm. to relate and work and live with people living with disabilities? For me, Tabi saying it begins with attitudes, our attitudes changing where the person living with disability has to do absolutely nothing extra. It's us who have to change our attitudes. What will it take for that to change? You know, um, um, Pimelo, I I think uh, Colin said it, outlined it, um, that people just do not have consideration. And and those are the attitudes that we have. In, In many cases, we expect persons with disabilities to prove themselves. Mm. But, and, and it's not the same with any other person that does not have an impairment. impairment. When, I, when, I, when I, I'm looking for a job, I should be able to give much more. When, as an organization, we feel that, um, similar to what Tobeka has just said, the issue of disability, of, of having a disability in either in the workplace and, and, and being able to change our attitude needs to be normalized. We shouldn't um, have to explain ourselves, but we, should, we need to be able to rock up so that society can, can have a changed attitude of saying, Tabi Singh is in a wheelchair. How are we making, going to make the situation work? Uh, or even Tabi Singh cannot see, or she cannot hear, um, or she has any other type of disability. How are we going to make um, the... the the environment inclusive for everybody. You know, I always say that issues of making disability, looking at it that way, is it's very it's universal. Mm. You know, um, whether you are a person that was born with a disability or not, eventually you are going to be to be old. You're not yeah. going to be able yeah. to walk. Yeah. You're not going to be mm. able to see properly. Mm. Mm. So um, if we change our attitude, then we're making the environment level. For everybody, yeah. whether yourself as somebody that does not have a disability or the next person that has a, a disability. I mean, right to Tobega's point, right, that it's interesting. Those those who built those malls um, today wish they had built malls that would accommodate them now as they sit at home in their old age. I really want to thank you, Tobega, for, for writing and penning this article. It's really give us an, given us a lot to think about. And and I think, if nothing else, at least a conversation to move this forward um, so that we can all interrogate ourselves because it's also very good for us to say, well, I, I'm in Inclusive, but are we really? Are we really? And it's time for us to, to just think a little bit deeper about what does it mean for us when we say we we include other people, that we 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 treat people with respect, with dignity, and and we understand what diversity means. So thank you for for this particular article. Thank you, Tobega. Well, thank you so much for having me as well. Absolute pleasure. Tobega Luana, activist for inclusion, equality and diversity. She's also an entrepreneur. And I also want to thank Tabiseng Mulungwana, who is a national council for persons with disability. That brings us to two o'clock. Let me go to Luanda Maume for the latest in SABC News.